Spanish as well as Portuguese fluently. So English, I chose that as part of my major because I, I've always been a writer. Words have always kind of been my strong point and always been the area that I excelled in. So it was very easy for me. And um, pre-medicine, of course, because my aspirations were to become a physician. And I had every single intention on becoming a physician. I, um, my, my last year in college, my, I, my mother had a family change, and I decided to move back home before I went to medical school, graduated from college on a Sunday, and was hired to be a high school teacher on, on a Monday the next day. Wow. Went into a classroom as a high school teacher and absolutely fell in love with teaching, with educating, and with really being a force that could be a positive impact in young people's lives. And I never looked back. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, do I regret that I'm not a physician? I absolutely do not because God just had such a perfect way of orchestrating where I should have been that he placed me there himself, and, and I have no regrets from that. That's powerful. Now, can you take us from, you know, obviously moving back, now you're a teacher in Savannah and doing, living your purpose, and can you take us back to that day in December and share with our listeners how your life was forever changed? Well, I was uh, in a very, very committed relationship with a young man, and though it was a very committed relationship, it wasn't a very healthy one. And, you know, the thing about being in a toxic relationship is that neither person in the relationship realizes that it's toxic and that it's not really good for either one of us. But nonetheless, we had been in this relationship for three years, and, um, you know, I tried to always make it a point that I was well aware throughout our relationship that he did have relations and relationships with other women. But it was kind of a, um, you know, if, if you don't ask me about it, then we don't have to talk about it. As long as what I'm doing, as long as I'm doing what I need to do for you, then, you know, let's not make an issue of it. And, and, I, and I accepted that. I lived with that. And we had gotten to a point where, one of his other relationships was at a boiling point where it was boiling over into our relationship as well. And so it then pushed both relationships to a boiling point. And on the night of December 16th in 2003, you know, that is the best way I can describe it is that our, our relationship came to a boiling point, a very tragic boiling point. There was a confrontation. There was fear. You know, there was threats to take my life. And I acted out of fear and, I, and out of defense of my life. And as a result of that, the man that I had spent three years of my life with and loving very much died later from complications that he experienced in the hospital. And so that, has, that happened in 2003. Mm -hmm. And I know that there was a lot of attention, a lot of media, uh, just a, it, it sent your life, I can only imagine, into a tailspin. Can yes. you share a little bit about how you were able to get through that trying time, having lost someone that you love, regardless of the circumstances, just you right. lost someone you love, you find yourself in the middle, you're fighting for your life, for your freedom, and can you tell the listeners how you were able to make it through that period and what leads you to, to where you are now being an advocate for girls and women. 
Well, you know, Nicole, for all intents and purposes, you know, I was facing life in prison without the possibility of parole or murder. And I can remember feeling back in those days, just sitting there thinking, just to think, to hear my name or see my name in a newspaper or flash across the television screen, and then next be associated with the word murder, was, it was unbelievable. It was the most surreal thing that I probably, I probably ever experienced in my life. And it was the most difficult thing that I have had to endure. The only way, the only reasoning that I can give anybody for how and why I got through those difficult times, going through a criminal trial for a capital offense, um, having to testify on my own behalf, and still while all dealing with the processes of grief and of loss at the same time, um, was nothing but God, you know, and, and just him carrying me and already having a strong foundation of faith in my life and having already been a praying young woman at that time, really wrapping myself up in prayer, in the word of God, and, and trusting. And, you know, you, you go back to that, that um, scripture, faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. I truly have such a strong understanding of that because it was something that I hoped for. I hoped that I would be free. I hoped that people would see what actually happened. And I think I was this crazed, jealous, out of her mind beauty queen who just had to have it her way. And that was what my faith was in. It was in the hope that God would allow the truth to be revealed. And in the end, he did. And, and I have grown even more to trust that unjust is not prosper and that God will prevail no matter the circumstances and no matter what it looks like to us. That is the reason why, you know, initially after everything was over, Nicole, I really wanted to sink into obscurity, be forgotten about, and go away. And God just would not let that happen. Um, I could not sink into obscurity. It would not go away. And then God just revealed to me that it's not going away because I intend for you to use it because you have a duty to help others not have to go down the same road. You have a duty to help girls understand what their self-worth is like, what they don't have to be subject to in a relationship. You have a responsibility for women who are in abusive and battered relationships to know that, you know, while it may look like something on the outside to someone, it's okay that it's not that way. And you can stand up and you can walk away. And you can't be concerned about what people think and what they're going to say and what their reaction is going to be. And so, God, as God revealed those things to me, um, God also caused me to have to birth the book because um, I needed to be able to take my voice back. You know, for so long, the media had told my story, other people had told my story incorrectly, and God needed for me to take my story back and take my voice back and share it so that it might help and heal and prevent someone else from going down the same path. Now, I know the name of your book is Beyond the Sash, and you mm-hmm. kind of, you're very transparent in the book and, and sharing what, was, what life was like going from being Miss Savannah to being on trial, as you said, for your life. Mm-hmm. What, if there was one thing that you would want readers to walk away with after reading your book, what would that be? To never give up, to never quit 
even in the face of those things that would have you quit. Um, Nicole, I can't tell you how many times I would just literally lay there and say, you know what, if I don't wake up in the morning, it's okay. Because I didn't want to deal with it and I didn't want to face it. But God showed me that, you know what, as bad as you want to lay here and give up, you can't. Because in the morning, when the sun rises, you'll probably be awake again. And nothing that's here today will be gone tomorrow. It will still be there. And we have a tendency to want to run from the things that are challenging from us. My words to anybody would be stay and fight. Stand up for what you know is true. Stand up for what you know is right. And do not falter and do not sway in your faith and in the things that you know God has imparted in your spirit. Because I have trusted God and because I trusted God then and I allowed him to just gird up my legs and, and walk me into a courtroom every day and just say, thou will be done. I didn't know if that will was going to be for my ministry to be in a prison for the rest of my life or for me to be doing what I'm doing now. But I knew and I trusted that God's will would be, would be done. And, and I just want um, young women to know, because as women we get ourselves in these positions where it's the worst thing ever and we don't know how to get out and it's not going to get any better. It is going to get better. You can get out. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't throw in a towel. You know, stay, fight, and come out in victory. That's powerful. Now, I know that you have been, again, very transparent in sharing your story, and I think that one of the the things that I appreciate most about you, because when it comes to toxic relationships, relationships that are unhealthy, I think even earlier you mentioned understanding your worth and your value. So often people have a face of victims, uh, dating violence, um, mm-hmm. of abuse, and it, you know, it, and it doesn't look like the Miss Savannah. It doesn't look like the Spelman graduate. It doesn't look like the school teacher who, though you were young, you know, your father was active in your life early on, yeah. so you had good images of, of men. And, and so I really appreciate you being transparent. And if there was a listener who is tuned in tonight who may be in a relationship that she knows is not God's best for her. Though she may have love or affection or feelings towards or or history with, you know, what advice would you give her? I would tell her from a woman having been in her shoes that first I understand. I understand what she feels. I understand the love that you feel that you feel like outweighs everything else that's going on that's unhealthy and it's not good. My advice to her, and what I would say is that it's okay to love him. I don't think I've ever said from 2003 to now that I never loved my ex. I didn't. The problem was that I did not love myself enough. And we really have to search and find out what we're worth to ourselves. I would tell her, search and really find out if you love yourself. Because if you love yourself, you are not going to let anybody else not love you good enough. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to find that thing inside of you that is your strength and that tells you that thing that's nagging at you, that's telling you this is not right, is not going away. And as it continues to not be, to not be right, it's going to grow. And then 
when it gets to a point that it's in between you and your partner in a relationship, it is going to surface as drug drug use and, and physical abuse and, and alcohol abuse. So it is going to spiral if, if you don't stop and you don't face it now. I just want you to search. I want you to really sit back and think about how much you love yourself or do you love yourself. And if you don't, if there's something about yourself that you don't love, that's what you need to deal with and find out why. Because I found that that's usually the thing you are seeking that other person to love in you. Pull it out. Find somebody that you can trust, even if it's you in a closed room by yourself. And, and actually audibly speak about it. Because if you don't hear yourself talking about what's going on in your relationship, it doesn't become real. I really didn't consider myself an abused woman until I found myself sitting in my attorney's office explaining to him the cycles in my relationship and having my attorney, who was a man, sit across the table from me and tell me, do you know that what you just described are the cycles of abuse? That was a very scary awakening for me because exactly what I described as the cycles of my relationship is what was clinically called the cycles of an abusive relationship. And so, you know, it may take some self-education. You know, maybe you, may, maybe you need to go and look and see what is an abusive relationship and hold up that mirror and really see that, you know, it's not worth it. I would never want to see anybody, not even my worst enemy if I have one, walk in the shoes that I had to walk in. It's, it's just, it's not worth it. Um, I was blessed. You know, I walked out of the courtroom. You may not be. And I had to face 12 jurors. You may have to have six pallbearers. So whatever the cost or whatever the love or whatever the feeling or whatever the attachment, it's not worth more than your life or your freedom. Wow. Now, I know throughout your life your mother and your brothers have been supportive of you and encouraging of you. So for parents who may be tuned in today who are maybe watching their daughters make choices that aren't the best or finding their daughters in relationships that would not be the preferred relationships and are unhealthy. I mean, not just somebody you just don't like, but, you know, really toxic relationships. What advice would you give to family members in terms of helping their daughters navigate through life in those circumstances? My advice would be to um, never leave them. Don't ever put them in a position where they feel alone, so alone that the only person they have to turn to is the, is the person who is abusing her. Because then that abuser has power, and abuser gets to say, well, you see, your family has turned their back on you. Your mom is not speaking to you. Your brothers or your sisters don't want anything to do with you. I'm all you have. And it drives the person to have to stay there. I have been blessed to have a mother and two brothers who have always been strong powers for me, who have always been there to catch me and hold me up when I couldn't hold myself up. But the one thing that sticks out to me that my family did, and I didn't notice what they were doing at the time that they did it, but I know now, as bad as they may have wanted me to leave, or to walk away, or as much disdain as they may have held within themselves for, for, for the person or for my relationship in general. They never, ever came to me and tried to make my decisions for me. And that was important because 
I was able to still have the autonomy to decide for myself. They let me live my life. And you know what? Sometimes letting, letting the person that you love live her life is very difficult because it can be leading down a very, very dark road. But at the end of the day, we are God's children, and, and nobody can really dictate how God chooses to teach any of us. You know, had my family interfered or been negative or said one or more things, who knows where I would be now? Who knows the different choices I would have made to defy what they said and be with this person who who wasn't for for my betterment. So, you know, I would just encourage family members, please, please let your, your sisters and your daughters know that you are there for them. However you need to be, whatever they need, you are there as a support. Now, I understand that your book, Beyond the Sash, is available, and so can you tell our listeners how they can purchase a copy, where they can purchase a copy of the book? And I understand that the royalties from this book actually are used in a special way. Can you tell the listeners about that as well? Sure. My um, book, Beyond the Sash, a memoir, can be purchased through Amazon.com. It can be purchased through BarnesandNoble.com or at a Barnes and Noble retail site, or through Books a Million retail site, or online. The proceeds from my book will go to funding a scholarship organization that will service youth, specifically young women, but not exclusively in the Savannah area and surrounding counties. Um, it's very, I, you know, I said earlier in our interview, Nicole, that I've always been involved in the community, and it, it truly is something I've always done, um, even coming up through school, sitting on youth councils and citywide boards and things of that such. So I, um, community activism and giving back to my community and seeing something positive flourish and grow in my community is still very, very important to me. Um, Savannah is my home, and it's just something that I hold close to my heart because I understand what life is like there. I know the challenges that the youth face growing up in Savannah in the Seaport City each and every day. And so it is important to me to, you know, let my legacy be something positive to the city, and that is um, something that, you know, I intend to do at all costs. All right, and are you available to speak to groups or to do workshops or come out to churches and and speak to the congregation? I am. Um, My public relations team kind of handles that, and any of those kind of requests or questions or inquiries can be directed to anybody on that team at um, the email beyondthesash altogether at gmail.com, and if they email into beyondthesash at gmail.com, someone will contact them and we'll get the information to them, usually within a 24 to 48-hour period. All right, excellent. Now, I know now that you are a mother of a, a beautiful little girl, and if if you had a magic wand and were able to predict or, or wish what the next chapter of your life would be like. What things could the listeners look forward to from Nikki Redman? Well, I think definitely more writing and more books. Um, You know, it's funny how God implants things in us early in our lives, and we don't understand why until they actually come to pass. 
I've always, always felt my entire life that I would be a published author, always did. And so, you know, as God was taking me through this process, and when I got to the end of it, I said, wow, this is that one thing that I felt my whole life, and it's come to pass. And so I definitely think that I will continue to write, and I, I hope that I will continue to be able to inspire and impart and share the knowledge that God has given me because it truly, truly is a gift, um, and I don't take it lightly. Definitely my mommy's job is my very, very first commitment, something that I take probably most seriously of everything that I do. And, and you know, I'm really focused on raising my daughter healthy to understand what life is like and to know the, the trials and tribulations that can accost you and that can switch your directions. But I really just want her to know that no matter what happens to her and no matter what she has to face, she'll always have me here for as long as God allows me to be here. And that as long as she knows God and she can always go to him in prayer and trust him, she's going to be okay. Ultimately, um, we will be opening, it, opening a school and really putting our practices and our wisdom and our beliefs into educating women in their educational careers and their social lives. And so that is the long-term goal. Excellent. Well, we look forward to great, great things uh, from you. And I thank you for the work that you're doing and allowing your testimony to become a powerful message that's changing the lives of of women and, and even men and girls. I, I thank you thank for you. allowing God to use use it all for his glory. Well, reach out to her, have her out. Very, very personable. I really appreciate you taking time and being a guest on A Priceless Perspective. And for the listeners who are tuned in, if you are a young girl or even a woman who finds yourself in an unhealthy relationship, just listen to what Nikki said. And I challenge you to take a moment and to ask yourself, do I love me most of all? Ask yourself that. And yes. so thank you again, Nikki. We wish thank you all you the so best. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. I've really, really enjoyed my time with you. And just an honor and a privilege to be able to talk with you tonight. Well, God bless you and all that you do. Thank you. Join the-